We never know where life will lead us or what may hinder us along the way. But while every day can feel like one big question mark, it doesn't have to. With the right insights, strategies, and solutions from Western and Southern Financial Group, together we can look ahead to leave the unknown behind. Ready to get into it? Yeah, yeah. All right. So, we're going team by team. I would be very careful about it. Sling and stone. Am I going to get sued? Is that legal on this? I like football. I like football season and all the things that go with it. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the PFF NFL show. I'm not Sam Monson or Steve Palazzolo, nor is the other face that we have on camera. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Brad Spielberger filling in for the boys here on this episode of the show. Brad, I don't think we went over who who's going to assume whose role. Like, are you going to be Steve and I'm going to be Sam or how's how's this going to go? We didn't go over this before the show. Yeah, for two very different reasons. Uh, neither guy has had a haircut, I think, in the last calendar year, Sam and Steve. <laughs> and I think both of us are coming in fresh off a cut. So there's just so many differences in the dynamic going on right now. Uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll look, I'm 6'7", so I'm not quite Steve, but I think I, I went out in that regard. So I'll, I'll be Steve today. That's true. And I have kind of, I've got the like the side beard going, like the full beard going on. So I feel like you got the height. I got a little bit more of the beard. I'll be Sam. So I'll try to be, I'll try to be super negative about every, I'm just kidding, Sam. You know, I love you. You know, I love you, but I appreciate you guys watching the show with us as we are filling in today. We got a fun topic here for you. We're going to give you six players that we think are bound to improve for different reasons around the NFL in the 2023 season. And I say six, but technically it's 12 because Brad has six of his own that he put pen to paper on a PFF.com article, which you guys can go see over on the site. And then I'm going to reveal my own six here for this episode of the show. And we're going to go back and forth discussing a little bit of that. Brad, since it was your topic that gave us the idea for this show, I'm going to let you Kick it off. I'm going to let you choose which guy you want to bring to the table and talk about first as a player who is going to improve in the 2023 season. Yeah, I think one of the fun things we can do over here on the back end with Ultimate is splice the season in many different ways. Obviously, sample size is part of the equation, but look at how guys played in the first half of the season versus the second half. See if after a position change, there was growth or they got better in a certain facet. Um, and the big one for me was Tevin Jenkins with the Chicago Bears. He's first mm -hmm. in the article for a reason because I think he just jumps off the page as a guy that, look, played right tackle in college. Comes to Chicago, they immediately put him at left tackle for reasons that are still unknown. The new regime comes in last offseason and makes him play pretty much every position during minicamp and training camp. And then finally, he lands at right guard where, look, he had injuries again, so he has to stay healthy. But uh, over a stretch of the season from week six to the end of the year, uh, was top five in pretty much every metric we track, right? He had the second best uh, positively graded run block grade is a true mauler and just a road grader in, in run blocking. And then also in pass protection as the season went on, got better and better. Uh, I think adjusted to, you know, quicker sets and having guy in your face quicker, dealing with heavier guys, not speedsters around the edge. I think if healthy, he could become like a true top 10 guard in the NFL this upcoming season. 
I liked Tevin Jenkins. I liked him a lot when he was coming out of Oklahoma State. He had that mentality that I feel like every offensive line coach is looking for, right? Every offensive coordinator, every head coach wants that kind of an identity, just this mean cuss of a guy who's going to play through the whistle. He's going to physically dominate you up front, and that's what every team wants. So I had a lot of high hopes for for Tevin Jenkins, and I still do. I I love the fact that he is on this list. It it was – do you feel like – I'm curious what you think like maybe the main culprit was because for me, I feel like it's the, it's the position changes like that to me, like going from left to right interior to outside, like that is so demanding of any player, let alone somebody who's so young into the league. I know you got to find a home base, but for me, I know you kind of follow things pretty closely in Chicago. You know, you've heard kind of what the opinions have been of Tevin Jenkins, what whatever spot that he's been at. But, but I feel like not having that home base, not truly being able to, master a position early on in your career like that's 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 a tough ask for me and I feel like that's a realistic reason why the best could be ahead of him because he's going to find that position that's going to suit him best yeah I feel like you brought up I'm glad you brought that up because it's something I've actually bugged some current and former NFL offensive linemen about I think we for whatever reason and by we I mean fans and just the common you know analysts whatever maybe overestimate or underestimate how hard it is to move around. We think, oh, right. yeah, just, just kick this tackle who's old. Just make him play guard now. Or he's a left tackle, <laughs> but let's just make him play a right tackle now because we have this young guy. Like, it's super easy to do. You know, there's the analogy some guys have said, like, it's like wiping your butt with your other hand and, and stuff right. like that. Like, <laughs> it's not easy to do. The second thing, and this will be a trend and a theme of some of my selections is, and I noticed this last offseason, um, just kind of anecdotally and with fantasy football and stuff like that, when you come into the league injured and are hurt in your first season or really your first training camp and first off season, yeah. I think it can really stunt your growth and your adjustment period to the NFL game, to NFL speed and all those things. And Jenkins did come in and miss the majority of his rookie year with a back injury. It just it almost kind of resets your clock another year later. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I I definitely agree with that. Guys not being able to get out there for training camp or more mandatory mini camp or whatever it is, especially when they're a rookie can, can really be detrimental to them. I just had the opportunity to sit down and do a feature piece uh, about Christian Watson. And I got to chat with him a little bit and he suffered an injury last summer, which was his rookie season going into training camp. He missed basically all of training camp. He played like the last week that they had before the season, he was able to practice. And he told me, he's like, that put me behind the eight ball big time because then you're learning in the regular season. And that's just a really tough place to learn the basics of the NFL game. And so I, I agree with you. I think that that definitely goes into as well. I, I certainly hope that uh, Jenkins is in for a bounce back year. My first guy that I want to bring to the table, Falcons cornerback, AJ Terrell. And, and the reason why I bring him up is because the variance with him has been so steep over the last couple of years. I'll read you some stats I have up here from Ultimate. In 2021, two years ago elite coverage grade and and elite coverage grades you know are really hard to come by it's just such a difficult position to consistently grade really well at and Terrell had a phenomenal 2021 season he had that elite 90.1 coverage grade there only allowed 200 passing yards the entire season which was fantastic had 15 forced incompletions uh a quarterback rating when targeted of 47.5 like that's Fantastic. Just the work that he was able to do in coverage was incredible in that 2021 season. Last year, not great. 
all the way down to a 59.7 massive drop, a 40 point drop from a 90.1 to a 59.7. That is really, really steep. His completion percentage allowed was 15% higher, went all the way up to 57.4. He allowed more than double the passing yards, 430. Uh, he still had 14 forced incompletions, which you figure he would because he's a, he's he's a good guy when the, when the ball is coming his way. But the quarterback rating when targeted, I mentioned it was 47.5 in 2021. It was 115.8 last year, just not even close when they looked his way, when they were targeting the guys he was covering. Uh, it was often getting completed and for big plays. So what do you do, right? I still had him on the 25 players, top 25 players under 25. I had him towards the tail end of that list. And I feel like I had to put him on there just out of respect for how difficult it is to be consistently good at corner and also how bad the Falcons defense was last year. I mean, that unit was terrible. They had absolutely no pass rush up front. They didn't have effective play from the linebackers. Their safeties weren't reliable behind Terrell. And he was basically just a man alone on that defense. I mean, Grady Jarrett was great as well, but okay, you got one outside corner, you got one defensive tackle that a defense does not make. And so for a lot of those reasons, I still kept him on that list. I still believe that he is in for a major bounce back in, Maybe the truth of Terrell is somewhere in the middle, not terrible, maybe not elite, but I think it's a lot closer to that elite grade than it is the terrible grade. So that's why I had to put Terrell on this list. No, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think it, it cannot go understated how important it is to have those surrounding circumstances you mentioned. And I don't think people realize how bad the Atlanta Falcons pass rush has been the last two years and why they put so much money and, and a couple, you know, early day two draft picks, uh, you know, on this defensive line. Guys, they had 36 sacks the last two seasons combined. Nick Bosa has 34 by himself. Like this is <laughs> this is an unserious unit in front of AJ Terrell, which almost makes his um, you know, his 2021 season all the more impressive. I'll have a question, a quick question for you, because you've seen this guy a little bit. I guess you've seen both. But um, you know, Ryan Nielsen comes over from the New Orleans Saints, obviously a defensive line coach at heart, but has had Marshawn Lattimore and and Paulson Adebo and good young players. Do you think he could also maybe get AJ Terrell back on track? Nothing against Dean Pease, but maybe gets him back on track in 2023. Yeah, and I think that that defensive line background for Nielsen is going to be important because you have to marry those groups, right? People talk about, oh, what's more important? Is it, is it secondary play? Is it is it defensive line play? And, you know, we here at PFF over the last couple of years have debated that, right? If you can shut a guy down for the first two or three seconds, you know, sometimes that can make up for a lack of pass rush up front you can give them time to get after the quarterback whereas if the quarterback gets the ball out of their hands very quickly sometimes even Aaron Donald himself can't get to the backfield quick enough and so there's always that kind of what came first or what's more important argument but in reality on a play-by-play -play basis it, it, you have to marry the two it's got to be pressure up front and it's got to be good secondary work and I think that them having a really good understanding of how that works also pairs with teaching Terrell just like he was able to teach Paulson Adebo and Marshawn Lattimore when to be aggressive, right? Hey, we're dialing it up here. Hey, the pressure's coming from this side. Hey, they're probably going to come inside here. Hey, they're probably going to go deep here. Now, not only is that probably some more continuity and some more confidence there, but also think about what's in that secondary now. You got Jesse Bates over the top, so you got a lot more confidence in those guys if they can get behind you or if that's the call on the defense. You got Jeff Akuda, who I think still has the ability to be a starting corner in this league on the other side. It's just a much better group across the board. And so uh, for those reasons, I, I really do think that a bounce back, major bounce back season is coming. Maybe it won't be elite coverage grade, but I think it'll be something in the 80s, like low 80s, mid 80s. I think that's the kind of coverage grade, which would put him in the tier of, of one of the really good starting corners in the NFL. Who's next on your list? Who do you got at number two? 
All right. So I wouldn't call it a bounce back. He was a rookie last year, a top 10 pick that I think was already good to start, but I think he could ascend into becoming one of these, you know, blue chip left tackles. And that is Iki Aquanu with the Carolina nice. Panthers. I love the pairing. Obviously now you can maybe see him grow alongside Bryce Young for years to come. Um, but I, I love that he had a, the most welcome to the NFL week one matchup of all time last year, uh, got a lot of miles Garrett, a healthy dose of miles Garrett and had a sub 30 grade. And so rather than terrible way to start the career. Terrible yeah, way exactly, to start the right? career. No, no 100%. 100%. And, and then you look at, again, like I said, you, we obviously can remove some things. It's not complete analysis, but you chop off week one and he had a top 10 pass block pressure rate allowed at 4.7% among left tackles for the year. Um, top 25 among all tackles uh, in that metric as well. So, I mean, you remove one bad game, his first game in his NFL career, and he was already playing like a top 10 left tackle from a pass protection perspective. He is a good player in space, can get out. Uh, and helping this run game as well ahead of Miles Sanders. I really do think with this new coaching staff as well, where not only Frank Reich and Ajiro Avero, but you bring in, I mean, Jim Caldwell is, is a guy that's going to be involved here. Like it might be the best top to bottom coaching staff in the NFL because they just brought in a ton of experienced guys, four former head coaches, I believe, on this staff. I think we could be talking about him at the end of the year as, you know, taking that Andrew Thomas type leap into the, you know, elite left tackle conversation. I love it. And just to clarify, I wasn't saying terrible start to the career on <laughs> Iki Kwanu. I was saying terrible start to the career going up against Miles Garrett as your first uh, as your first assignment there. What do you think about the Panthers overall? I just kind of an overarching question. Obviously, Frank Reich is in there. You mentioned Azure Evero getting in there. I, I love him as a defense coordinator to get into work with that young defensive uh, defensive group that's there. Is Bryce Young a quarterback? I, I think it's going to be Bryce Young starting in week one and then, of course, moving forward. But what do you think about Carolina? Some of the moves that they've made this offseason and where they might fit in with the NFC South this year. Yeah, so a little peek behind the curtain. I won't give away your article, but I'll say, you know, we do these rankings articles, and sometimes people just take it themselves. Sometimes uh, I think both of us are certainly in this bucket. We want feedback, right? We, we rank things how we see it, obviously with data and some of our opinion, sure. And then we throw it into a chat and say, hey, pick this apart. I'll say one thing. You know, you, you have a receivers, a receiving groups article coming out. I feel like I've been taking crazy pills because I've seen people talk up this Carolina Panthers receiving core, and I think it's comfortably one of the worst in the NFL. Um, and, and again, not to not to tease your story, but you see it the same way. So, look, I actually like the offensive line a lot. Austin Corbett is a really good uh, player that once he gets back and gets healthy, they have a good unit. Unfortunate injury for him, I think, in week 18. But but nevertheless, a good unit top to bottom. The defense should be pretty good. I think they need more edge help opposite Brian Burns. But, yeah, the talent's there. I just – a rookie quarterback and this pass-catching unit, I think, pulls their ceiling down a little bit in 2023. Yeah, the only thing that really gives me hope there, because I do, I do agree with you with the pass-catching unit – what gives me hope is you look at that Alabama receiving group last year, wasn't very good. And, and Bryce Young was still able to ball out. Now doing it at the pro level is different than even doing it in the SEC, but that is a little bit of hope there. Uh, I, for my second guy, I'm going to do it, Brad. I'm going to do it. Russell Wilson. I'm going to say Russell Wilson is due to improve. He has to improve from what we saw in 2022. Got some, uh, again, again, some PFF ultimate numbers that I want to throw by you guys. Since These are all since 2015. So I went back to 2015, Russell Wilson. He had the worst passing grade of his career since 2015, 66.3. That was by far the lowest. He His turnover-worthy play rate, I actually was surprised about this. It wasn't the highest that it's ever been. It was 2.8%. 
but he had years in 2017 and 2015 in which it was a little bit higher. And then in 2016, 2018 as well, that was, it was basically the same. It was 2.6 and 2.7. So the turnover worthy play rate wasn't nearly as different. The big time throw percentage from Russell Wilson was it was the lowest of his career since 2015 just 4.3 percent he only had 21 big time throws last year and that goes into some other stats that we have he threw short of the sticks short of the first down marker more last year than he ever has in his career 52.5 percent of his passes were short of the first down marker that was the top mark in his career and then um it, not vice versa um coinciding with that it 36.8 percent of his passes were past the sticks again that was low on his career one really interesting stat is his batted passes last year were without question the most that it had ever been in a single season up to that point since 2015 his high in batted passes was eight last year it was 18 that just to me signaled how predictable it felt like that offense was defenses and defensive linemen knew where the ball was going. They knew when to put the hand up. They knew when to jump and bat the ball down like that to me just screams predictability from what was going on. Nathaniel Hackett, obviously that experiment did not work. He is out. Sean Payton is in. It's a big reason why I think that we're going to see more big time throws from Russell Wilson, more throws beyond the sticks, more getting back to what made Russell Wilson great when he was in Seattle. They got to push the ball further down the field. Sean Payton is that kind of a quarterback's coach to be able to do that. It's got to be better than what it was last year. And to me, the element of less predictability and more aggressiveness pushing the ball deeper down the field is what's going to change Russell Wilson in that uh, Denver Broncos offense in the upcoming season. So I, I'm expecting a big improvement from him with Peyton now as his head coach. Agree more. I got a kickback question for you on that note. One of the best deep ball receivers in college football the last couple of years, uh, the Broncos traded up to add Marvin Mims. Uh, you know, look, it's obviously there's a trio there in Judy, uh, Cortland Sutton and Tim Patrick that probably will be ahead of him, at least at the outset. But what kind of dynamic do you think he eventually adds to that offense? And is he that, you know, taking the top off the defense type guy that can help open up this offense? You, yeah, he he absolutely is. When I watched Marvin Mims, uh, some people thought of him as more of like a complete receiver than I necessarily did. Um, but I said in his scouting report, without question, dude knows how to get open deep. Like even if you drafted him just to be your deep threat guy, it's going to be extremely valuable because he's very savvy with it. He has the speed. He's got good concentrated catches deep down the field, which is an art form, you know, like not everybody. There's so there are plenty of receivers that we'll see come through the NFL that have the speed to get behind defenses and to stretch the field. But when you throw them the ball, they just can't track it. They can't catch through the contact or they just don't. They're not able to track it as well as some other guys. Marvin Mims is very natural deep down the field, and I think that's totally a skill set that is going to kind of go into this offense being more aggressive, pushing the ball deeper down the field, and again, unlocking more of what Russell Wilson was good at when he was in Seattle, when he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, and I think that uh, Sean Payton absolutely sees that. So before we get to your next one, before we get to your third one, I got to paint a picture for everybody. Think about it. You just drafted Russell Wilson in fantasy football, all right? You're expecting that that bounce back year is going to happen. But early on in the year, you got another quarterback that you like, so ah, I'm going to keep Russell Wilson on the bench. I'm going to play it easy. He's got a 40-burger in week one, and you have him on your bench. There's no worse feeling to start the fantasy football season. Well, now 
That's not going to happen, especially with best ball from DraftKings. Best ball on DraftKings is the way to get the best of your entire roster all year long. This year, best ball on DraftKings, bigger than better than ever. $10 million in guaranteed cash prizes is up for grabs. So if you believe you're good at drafting and fantasy football, you got to get in on this. Join DraftKings biggest best ball contest today and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars as soon as DraftKings is finished. Enter DraftKings Best Ball Millionaire Contest and snake draft your team for the entire season. Each week, you'll automatically rack up points based on your top scores. No ads, no drops, no trades, nothing like that. The teams with the most points by the end of the season will have a shot to take home $1 million. So again, if you think the best part of your fantasy football attributes as an owner is drafting, this is for you and you can win some big money. Head over to DraftKings app and sign up with the promo code PFF. Join the DraftKings $10 million best ball tournament and get your first entry back in DraftKings dollars with the promo code PFF only on DraftKings. If you got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. One per customer, opt-in required with a $10 entry fee. Bonus issued is 10 DK DraftKings dollars. Agent eligibility restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See DraftKings.com slash promotions for details. Brad, who you got as your number three guy when it comes to improvement? Yep. So I uh, give myself a little bit of a leading question there with the Marvin Mims. It is another guy who is a deep threat and not only a deep threat. I think there will be more to his game. But uh, you look at last year for Tutu Atwell, the former second round pick in 2021, the wide receiver for the Los Angeles Rams. Look, I don't know if we're ever going to say taking a five foot nine, 165 pound guy uh, in the second round is a great use of draft capital. Um, but you look at last year, a very, very limited sample size. Um, his 17.3 yards per reception was top 10 among wide receivers um, over the stretch of when he played. He only had 18 catches. Five of them went for more than 20 yards on the year. And then none of that was with Matthew Stafford. That was with Baker Mayfield and, and whatever collection of quarterbacks Los Angeles was playing. But you look at the five seasons prior to last year, and Matthew Stafford is fourth. Uh, in passes completed on balls thrown 15-plus yards downfield. So if you want a guy who can take to the next level, obviously Allen Robinson is now in Pittsburgh. They didn't really add much. They bring in Puka Nakua from BYU in the late fifth round. But I think Atwell is going to have a bigger role. It still might be more of a field stretcher and, and not much else. But there's some buzz coming out of camp, which I know is kind of a funny sentence to say, um, you know, as if it has any meaning. But I think Atwell could be that guy that has a couple, you know, 50, 60 yard bomb type plays that kind of flip the field and, and change games this year for the Rams. Atwell was one of those selections that when it came across the board on draft night, it would have been like, if I had some sort of water or soda drink in my mouth, I probably would have spit it out like a movie character would have aggressively and to the side because I was so shocked that it happened. And look, you know, this going back to the wide receiver article that, that I'm writing, that's going to come out over at PFF.com. I don't really know what to do with the Rams because the rest of their wide receiver group stinks. I mean, to your point, there's a lot of receptions that could be available for Tutu Atwell, especially as a deep receiver. There's just not a lot of deep receivers that they can really lean on. So that role is going to be wide open for him there. If you take Cooper Cup off this team and even just slot in an average receiver, this is one of the worst receiving groups in the NFL, but Cooper Cup is there. So we know they're going to run that offense through him. What do you think about the Rams overall? Because I think a lot of people have talked over the last couple of years or sorry, the last couple of months, that they sold their soul for the Super Bowl. I think that that's worth it, even if that is true. But do you think that is true? Do you think that we're about to hard reset this entire team? Or where do you think that they're at? 
Yeah, I will say, look, to a degree, I think they did, but also, and I think this applies to some other teams this offseason as well, like Minnesota, where people think that they're like getting rid of everyone and and completely overhauling this team. Even if the team like had a different outcome last year for both of them, I think you probably do move on from a Leonard Floyd just based on where his contract was. I think Allen Robinson is not a tanking move. It's kind of like a, hey, we signed this guy in free agency. It did not work out particularly well. Let's just get out of this deal as soon as we can. Like, I don't think anything they did was like surprising. It's just the fact they did all of it. Maybe Jalen Ramsey, I'm sure you could argue, was different. Right. But look, wanted new money, has his entire contract fully guaranteed now, wanted to go contend elsewhere. Like, again, in a vacuum, it sort of makes sense. So, Look, I think they're going to be bad. I, I think the defensive line, out, just like Cooper Cup, you mentioned, the defensive line outside of Aaron Donald, if you replace Aaron Donald with a league average player, I think they would rank 33rd in, in defensive line rankings, um, <laughs> you know, with, with maybe the, like the Alabama slotting in at, just ahead of them. So, I mean, that's that's how scary it is. Um, but, yeah, I mean, end of the day, though, the NFC is bad, and they might still win seven games, you know, kind of like your Buccaneers. There's just too many easy whoa, games whoa, on the schedule whoa, to be whoa. that bad. Oh, that was supposed to be a compliment. That okay, all right, nice. all right. Don't, whoa, whoa, whoa. don't throw Tampa in with the Rams. Don't do that to me. <laughs> don't do that to me, Brad. No, I do agree with you, though. I think that uh, they're, they're superstars. I, I, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I was doing the best. I wrote an article for PFF.com that was the best three players on every team. And the Rams was extremely easy because – I mean, it would be easy for almost every single team. It's Cooper Cup, one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. It's Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive players in the NFL, one of the best defensive players of all time. And it's Matthew Stafford when he's healthy. Matthew Stafford can be good. There's no other choice on that roster. There's there's nobody on that roster that even comes close to the conversation of those three, which makes the article easy for me. Uh, not so easy to win football games, though. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see about the Rams. I'm very intrigued to see what Sean McVay does with that team now. My third guy, I'm going to go with a Tampa Bay Buccaneer and somebody that I want to shout out, Joe Tryon Shoyinka, their, their edge rusher, who they think very highly of. They drafted very highly a couple of years ago, and he's just, it feels like he's been on the cusp and this year, I think, is the big breakout year for him. So improvement, yes, is the word that we're using for the topic of this episode. But I think it's really going to be more of a breakthrough season for him because he has improved a little bit year to year. It just has not been what they've wanted it to be or what it could be, I think, for him. 2021 is a rookie, 58.8 pass rush grade, so not great. The year after, so last season, 63.9. A little better, not a ton better. And I think you look at that within the pass rush win rate. That's something that I typically go to to say, hey, how much is your individual ability shining? Whether it is athletic, whether you're getting your technique down, whether you have a good pass rush plan. Sacks don't always tell the whole story. Pressures sometimes don't even tell the whole story. What constitutes as a win on the line of scrimmage for you? That's what we mark in pass rush win rate. So the pressures did go up. Rookie year was 32. Second season, it was 46. And the pass rush win rate did go up. It was only 8.8 in his rookie season. And then it was 11.6 last year. But 11.6, still, we need that bad boy higher. You know, you want to be closer to 15. The best edge rushers in the NFL are anywhere from 18, 19 into the low 20s. Okay, maybe we're not expecting low 20s from Try and Show Yinka, but I'd love to see him get to around 15, 16%, especially for a big year. And I think when that happens, you're going to see sacks go even higher. Certainly the pressures are going to go up even more. And he's going to bud into that pass rusher that we've seen flashes of over the last couple of years that really just hasn't become that takeover type of player that you can expect at some point, game in and game out. So shout out Try and Show Yinka here. There's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, um, 
A lot of influence, a lot of emphasis on that defensive line for Tampa Bay that is up for grabs because we don't know what Shaq Barrett's going to be coming off that Achilles injury. Um, he had a tragic death in his family as well. So, you know, that kind of is understandably something that you're going to deal with throughout the summer and your preparation into the season. And so I think that they're going to be looking to a guy to really spearhead that pass rushing group in Tampa Bay. And I think Tryon Shoyinka could be that guy. I think it's a great choice. And obviously, like you said, I mean, you add Kalaja Kansi, you add my guy, Yaya Diaby, in the third round as well. So trying to reinforce that defensive line, um, and I think him taking a step. Look, I think we knew coming out of Washington he wasn't going to be a guy that flashed right away, but I think you do see it enough that, you know, you should have confidence coming into this year. Maybe he takes that leap finally, has better surrounding circumstances, um, and, and chases after some some questionable quarterbacks in, in the rest of his division. I agree. Who's your next guy? Who do you got? Yep, so I got another former first-rounder from last year, uh, and that is Green Bay Packers off-ball linebacker Quay Walker. Okay. Like, I think people kind of remember the end of his season, unfortunately, for you know pushing two different training staffs, uh, you know, coaches. I think he got very emotional. Look, he's a rookie. He's a competitor. Those things happen, but I think it's now kind of overshadowing a very, very good first season for Quay Walker. I mean, a, a guy with his combination of size and speed and lateral agility, not just straight line speed, um, is pretty rare. And, and look, we know that grading at different positions is different and that right now off-ball linebacker is probably the toughest position to play um, and probably grade uh, for us over here at PFF. They're just, there is so much stress now with the increase in two high safety looks that they put so much stress and put these guys in conflict on almost every single snap. And what impressed me the most about Quay Walker was go look at coverage grades in the first season, even for your favorite off-ball linebacker in the NFL, it was probably not very good. Um, right. He had a 70.8 coverage grade as a rookie, which there have been 61 off-ball linebacker rookies over the last five seasons that played at least 150 snaps. His grade was sixth, right? And it's up there with, you look at the list, it's it's your Fred Warners, you know, it's, it's guys that you would expect to be the top of that list. And I don't think it's a mistake at all. So I, I just think there's a guy that comes in kind of a surprise first rounder to some people, but the athletic ability is all there. And now as the game slows down for him, you get a healthy Rashawn Gary back in the fold. I right. think he could take off and have a really, really good second season in the NFL. I was shocked that he was picked as highly as he was in the draft. Let me be honest. I thought he was going to be more of a day two guy. But as we got closer to um, as we got closer to draft night, I was just hearing from people. They're like, look, this guy's going to go in the first round. I was like, OK. And so I, I think I ended up having him somewhere in my final mock draft uh, because that's I, it was from people that I trusted and it obviously came to fruition. But um, I felt like it was going to be a little bit more of a slow burn for him. I really did. So it, it's not surprising to me that it's been a little up and down from him. But there's certainly reason to believe that this is the season that could solidify him moving in the right direction because all young guys are kind of really up and down about how they start their career. Like you mentioned, especially at off ball linebacker, it's a really tough position because of all the assignments that you have, right? You're asked to drop back in coverage. You're asked to attack the line of scrimmage. You're asked to defend the run and be a, be a, make sure that you're in your run fits at all times and take on NFL offensive linemen and NFL tight ends, all that stuff. So it's a very, very tough job. It's a versatile job, but I think that you're going to see that arrow start to point up for Quay Walker moving forward. I'm going to go back to Chicago. Uh, you started things out with a Chicago bear and Tevin Jenkins. I I'm, I'm going to say that Justin Jefferson or not Justin Jefferson, Justin Fields is the player who is going to improve the most from that roster. And I don't know if this is wishful thinking, but I really would love to see it. You look at Fields passing grade over the last two years, that rookie season, 61.2 passing grade. Okay, not great. A little bit worse even last year as he became an elite rusher 
that passing ability was not able to balance out how great he was in the run game. It became very one-dimensional. He just had a 57.6 passing grade uh, last season. You, you look at last year compared to the, even just the year before. The big-time throw rate was down. It was 6.3 his rookie year. It was 3.8 the next year. The turnover-worthy play percentage was up 4.0 to 4.5, so a little bit of an uptick there. The adjusted completion percentage was up, but the average depth of target was also down, so I think that that was just easier passes to inflate that adjusted completion percentage and overall raw completion percentage as well. Again, same thing with Russell Wilson, though, and this is maybe a little bit of a trend that you can kind of notice with quarterbacks that are struggling, especially guys who have lower average depth of target. He only had two batted passes his rookie season as a passer. He had 11 last year. And to me, a guy who is that much of a threat on the ground, you shouldn't have 11 passes batted. Like you should be threatening to take off with your legs at any point to where defensive linemen can't put their hand up. They can't jump after a pump fake or something like that. Cause if you pump fake and then you take off, if you're Justin Fields athleticism, you're gone. You're absolutely breaking contain. If you don't make that your sole job. So to me, it's shocking enough that that defensive linemen were comfortable enough in predicting what he was going to do, that they were able to get their hands up, that they were able to sacrifice, maybe taking a hand off of the defensive lineman, breaking contain of what could be a scramble or something outside of uh, outside of the tackles. That just shouldn't be with Justin Fields, especially for how good he was as a rusher last year. So to me, again, it, 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 it shows some predictability that we saw in his game last year, some lack of confidence from him, locking into his targets, locking into his tendencies, and defenses and defensive coordinators in the NFL are just too good to not catch up to that. So I think it's going to be just like it was a, a big jump for him as a rusher last year. I think it's going to be a jump for him in passing. I'm not saying that he's going to become an elite passer, but I do think that it gets better. I'm hoping for a passing grade somewhere in the 70s for him because if you combine that with another great year rushing he's going to look like one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. So I think that Justin Fields is poised to be one of those improvement players next year. I certainly hope so. Yeah, no, I think Bears fans know all too well. For some reason, half of those batted passes were like headshots that would make God players blush. Like he was just ripping the ball into guys foreheads <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, and, and hopefully that goes away. Like you said, um, I guess the question I have for you is, Kana, we talked about the receiver rankings a little bit and, and the offensive line units and all that. I, I mean, what can going from what they had last year to adding in a healthy Chase Claypool that not, not knows the playbook um, mm. and a DJ Moore, like how much of a difference can that make for Justin Fields this year? Oh, it should be huge, right? You, you turn the clock back a year from now and that receiver room, tight ends included, was Darnell Mooney. Okay, great. We, we like Darnell Mooney, but Darnell Mooney alone, uh, not so great. Equimania St. Brown, Byron Pringle, Dante Pettis, and Cole Komet, I think before last season. So a lot more unknown with Cole Komet. This year, it's Darnell Mooney, who could be the third best option there along the receivers, depending on how Chase Claypool plays. I think he's probably going to be the wide receiver too, but you add Chase Claypool to it. You add DJ Moore to it. It's another year of Cole Komet there. You still have Equiminius St. Brown. Uh, you, you've got Dante Pettis. You've got Tyler Scott, who you drafted. Like It's night and day different. And I think that's what you want to do, right? That's why you've got to tip your hat to, to Ryan Poles and how he's put this thing together. He has done everything that he could have 
putting the offensive line where it needs to be. He's drafted um, Darnell Wright in, in the top 10 or in the first round. He's put more receivers around them, especially with the DJ Moore trade. And he's basically leaving no stone unturned or no excuse valid for Justin to not improve. So I'm betting on the improvement just because the O-line is going to be better. The receiving group is going to be better. And if it doesn't improve, then you're probably looking for a new quarterback next year. And that's where the Bears are going to be at. So I think that they've at least put themselves in a really nice position. Actually, yeah, one more follow-up for you, not to stick yeah, on yeah. Justin Fields too long, but yeah. uh, so another thing with him, and you could you could talk about him specifically or a general premise for, for quarterbacks. He is a guy that still falls in the camp of his deep ball from an accuracy standpoint, from a, it, it is as good as it gets. And then the intermediate and short stuff, he, he misses a lot, whether it's accuracy or not putting the proper touch on the ball. Do you think that is, is it part, you know, lack of confidence is, is protection? Is it, is it mental lapses? What can cause some really good players, guys that can be accurate? I mean, Ohio State, he was as accurate as they come to, right. to, to miss the easy ones uh, every once in a while. Yeah, to me, it's, it's totally a confidence thing, right? It can't be a lack of ability because we saw it at Ohio State. You know, it's, it's, it's sometimes like shooting a three pointer versus shooting like a mid range shot, a couple of steps in the three point line. When we're all sitting out there practicing by ourselves or just shooting hoops, what are we doing? We're stepping beyond the three-point line, and it's it's so natural for us because we've shot that so many times. It's just what we do naturally. You take a couple steps in, and all of a sudden, the muscle memory is very different. You don't have as much confidence. You miss a couple of shots, and it doesn't go well, and I feel like that's where Justin's at. You've got to throttle your arm strength down, and, and you've got to up the timing and anticipation and, and rhythm play and, and all that in order to be really great on the short to intermediate. and there's so much confidence that goes into that, that it just feels like he hasn't played with that level of confidence. Certainly that Ohio state level of confidence that we have seen in Chicago yet. So yeah, uncorking the deep ball. He looks like a natural. He looks great at it because you practice that all the time, right? In your head, you think about it all the time. You, you think about the muscle memory that it takes to throw the ball 40, 50 yards down the field, right into the bread basket. You, you don't have to think about, okay, how much do I have to throttle my arm down yet? Keep the velocity up yet. Hit the trajectory. Exactly. Right there's not as much of an adjustment because you're just uncorking it all the way. And you've done that so many times. It takes a lot more precision to be accurate in the underneath portions and to be precise, given all the moving parts of lower body to upper body to what the receivers doing, everything that takes a lot of confidence. And so that's something that I'm hoping I see a lot bit more of this year as well. Yeah, no doubt about it. Just had to ask and, and get that follow up in there. So uh, I'll jump to my next guy here. Not to spend, we can do an entire podcast about Justin Fields. I'm sure at least at least Bears fans would enjoy that. But uh, I'll, I'll jump ahead to my next guy on this list, and um, it's Dio Odengbo with the Indianapolis Colts. And, and what I think is fascinating about him is that we've seen a recent trend with honestly medical and uh, technological advancements. Jeffrey Simmons, probably the number one success story, you know, tearing that ACL, getting taken in the first round, and becoming the highest pair or one of the highest paid defensive tackles a couple weeks ago. Everyone I think knows last year with David Ajabo from Michigan tearing his. His Achilles and pre-draft workouts and still going in the second round before Ojabo, there was Dio Dengbo who also tore his, I think Achilles in January leading up to the draft may have been ACL. I think it was Achilles. Um, and nevertheless, you know, you basically don't play your first year. You get a red shirt season, you come back. And then last year he became a full-time player around week 10 from week 10 to the end of the season in only one game. Did he not have multiple pressures over that stretch? He had a 70 run defense grade and he is a big dude, six, six, two eighty, and looks the part of it. And you could just tell his confidence started to grow and get better and better. Um, you know, a top 20 run defense grade over the span of the second half of the season. 
And I think you can just tell that he now trusts his lower body, trusts those legs. I just love it, too, because I think we want to see more and more teams bet on talent, bet on traits, and frankly, just bet on team doctors and stuff like that because these guys are values when you take them. And I think he could really break out. Now you add in Samson Epicam, you have obviously good players in DeForest Buckner around him. I think he can take that step this upcoming year. How do we feel about the Colts overall? Like, because it was just so disappointing last season. So I, I mean, are you are you are you believing in them? Are you believing in them to bounce back a little bit here? Could it potentially win the division, or is it now Jacksonville's? Like it, it it's not even a question. Or what do you think about that group overall? I think they have one of the widest variances of any team in the NFL because it's so strange. Like we talk about their offensive line as their biggest or one of their biggest weaknesses last year, but we're not saying that from the, t- the standpoint of they don't have the talent. They have one of the most expensive offensive lines in the entire NFL. Right. Right. right? And, and you see Bernard Raymond, I think got better as the year went on. Like if you can just get health and improved play from Quentin Nelson and Braden Smith and Ryan Kelly, and then same with the defense. Like if Quiddy pay takes another step, if my guy Dial Dengbo takes a step, look, their secondary skill, scares me a little bit uh but but their front seven and then their offense like look is michael pittman a top 20 receiver maybe not but he's a top 30 receiver like he's he's a number one however you want to put it alec pierce is kind of your deep throw i think he's a solid player i thought he went higher than he should have last year um i think i was kind of alone in that regard um anyway like it's so easy i think to sell yourself on them taking a step forward because they have the bodies it's just getting better performance from from the players that we've seen good play from before Yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree with you. I'll get to my next one in a second. But if you guys out there are looking to organize your financial future, make sure you start with life insurance. Life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life provides an easy one-stop shop for your family's financial needs, offering high-quality term life insurance policies plus other financial solutions in one easy online hub. It takes less than 10 minutes to apply to see your quote, and then you just personalize your quote to fit your family's needs. You could be offered coverage instantly with no health exam required. Fabric also has a 30-day money-back guarantee that you guys can cancel anytime. Take steps to protect your family today with Fabric by Gerber Life. Take the 60-second quiz. Find out if term life insurance is right for you and apply in apply today in just 10 minutes at meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL. That's meetfabric.com slash PFFNFL, M-E-E-T, fabric.com slash PFFNFL. Policy issued by Western and Southern Life Insurance Company and distributed by Gerber Life Agency, LLC, using fabric technology. It's not available in certain states. Price is subject to underwritten underwriting and health questions. For more information, visit us at meetfabric.com backslash PFF. NFL. All right. I got another, I got another receiver that I want to bring to the table. This is somebody who I've been waiting for the breakout year for a long time. And he hasn't been terrible. He's been riddled with injuries and it sucks, but I want to see a fully healthy year from Rondell Moore. And I want to see the best version of Rondell Moore since 2018. Okay. The thing that I think is missing from Rondell Moore beyond just health, like we need the guy to stay on the field. I need him to stop getting injured because he's one of the he's one of my favorite players in the NFL when the ball is in his hands. But is that force missed tackle rate? If you go back to the 2018 season, which I realize people are gonna be like, Trev, that was five years ago. What are we doing, buddy? That was his freshman season at Purdue, graded out with an elite 89.8 grade as a receiver, had over a thousand yards, had over eight eight hundred and twenty-two yards after the catch. He had 21 explosive plays in that season, 35 missed tackles forced, and it just has not been the same. The following years, he was injured in 2019. He was injured in 2020. 
the force missed tackles were seven and they were three. Uh, if you go to his pro days, they, they, they have not been any better. You go to his, his, his 2022 season, 64.8 receiving grade. Okay. Not great. And then the force missed tackles. Once again, it's seven. The year before it was just 13 and his highest grade was a little bit higher, but it's nothing compared to the 35 that we saw when he was a freshman at Purdue. That's the player that this Arizona Cardinals offense, if I'm going to be honest with you, completely needs. It's not going to be Kyler Murray playing quarterback for them for a long time. Maybe not the entire season given he's going to recover from his injuries that he suffered last year. So it's going to kind of be a wash year for the Cardinals anyways. I'd love to see more step up, especially with DeAndre Hopkins no longer in the picture and be that wide receiver one for him. They still got Marquise Brown, but Marquise Brown to me is, is best when you're hitting him in the intermediate and deep portions of the field. I don't know if they're going to have the quarterback play to be able to maximize that. Instead, you can get Rondell Moore on the underneath, let him be a yards after catch machine, and let him force some missed tackles. Let him be that human joystick that we saw at Purdue. And we just have not seen that, I would say, over the last four years. The last two at Purdue, the first two that he's played in Arizona. And I feel as though that ability is still there. If he's fully healthy, let's see those force missed tackles and let's get back one of the most fun players in football that we've seen over the last half decade. We just haven't, haven't seen it in far too long. No, I couldn't agree more. Uh, he is just electric and fun to watch. And also, you just got to root for a Kyler Murray, Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, Greg Dortch offense where no one is above five foot ten, and, and they're just zagging when everyone else is zigging and, and just playing a different sport out there. So uh, I'm, I'm all on board on that one. Uh, they they should have drafted Deuce Vaughn. Uh, <laughs> they got to get Darnell Pump Darnell Pumphrey in there, right? I mean, it's just an offense that's just playing Golden State Warriors small ball, baby. That's what we're trying to do out here. All right, uh, I think it's your last guy, right? Is this your sixth guy? Yeah, my my sixth and final pick here. Uh, go go and chalk again, but but I think uh, another off ball linebacker, former first rounder, and Jamin Davis, another guy that I think folks were surprised when he went in the first round. Um, kind of skyrocketed up draft boards late in that draft process. Um, and I think took some steps last year. In particular, I was impressed when Cole Holcomb, who signed a pretty solid contract with the Pittsburgh Steelers, went down with an injury after, I want to say, week six. Um, and Davis didn't miss a beat. Still played some good football. Uh, you now get you know Chase Young in front of him, uh, maybe a healthy Fedarian Mathis in front of him as well. Maybe the best defensive line in the NFL if everyone's firing on all cylinders ahead of him. Right. But you look at him alone, um, had 47 defensive stops last year, uh, 25th among off-ball linebackers, and, and fifth lowest rate of missed tackles at just 7.3%. Um, he also added 13 quarterback pressures uh, on just six, 65 snaps where he actually got after the quarterback. Um, and he's gotten better, slowly better and better as a coverage player. I think part of that, honestly, is just recognizing what he's supposed to do. Um, Kentucky plays almost exclusively zone. Um, so I think it's been a big adjustment in a lot of different ways for him. But another guy where I think you watch him play and you can tell the game is slower for him. And I think he could take that step this upcoming season. Yeah, really athletic dude. But another player who I didn't expect him to be a first round pick when I was going through um, a lot of my grading and and you're betting on potential with him. And I think this would be the year when you really see that payoff, right? I, I love that you mentioned the light was starting to come on for him, but especially in the terms of the game is starting to slow down because when you are that off ball linebacker, we talked about it with Quay Walker, there is just so much going on, right? The ball is hiked. The offensive line's flowing one way. The defensive line's flowing one way. Some people are winning up front. Some people are losing up front. You got the, the, the halfback, releasing to the flat on the other side. You got a wide receiver running a slant right behind you. You got a guy running a, 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 a dig route right behind where you are standing. And it's just like, there's so much going on if you're an off-ball linebacker that you have to pay attention and be aware of. 
but it makes sense that the game would be running extremely fast once you get out there. So Davis, if if he is somebody who the game starts to slow down a little bit more, that anticipation is going to get even better from him. And then he does have that athleticism to be a major difference maker when that ends up happening. I'll, I'll go with another defensive player who I'd love to see an improving year from. We've seen some good, good play from him, but it, it's Jeremy Chin. I think that Jeremy Chin struggled last year. And when I look at how the Panthers deployed him, it felt like it was a little bit different every single year, the last three years that he has been in the league. He was more of a box defender, so more at the linebacker level, that second level, as a strong safety or as a you know pseudo third, second linebacker, dime linebacker, wherever he was. As a rookie and in his second season, he played 379 snaps in the box in 2020. He had 482 snaps in the box in 2021, a lot less in 2022. Now, he missed a little bit of time, but 168, so that's significantly less. And he also played more snaps from the slot as a slot defender, 268, than he had in either of his more healthy seasons when he was on the field a little bit more. I listened to what Giro Evero, their new defensive coordinator, was saying about Jeremy Chin, and he sees him as their big nickel defender. Typically, that means a slot player, and Chin struggled more in coverage as a slot defender. Now, part of me thinks that that's natural, right? When you're a slot corner, your job is more coverage than it is even at the linebacker level or strong safety level. So the grades against you for how you do in coverage are going to be harsher. They're going to be more fierce. And so I think that naturally you'll probably, you would probably see lower coverage grades anyways with him moving to that spot. But I wonder if that's his best place, if that's the best place to deploy him. And I think he's going to have a bounce back year just because I think he's too good of a football player. But I also am am confident in Evero playing him in the best position. If that ends up being a big nickel slot defender, then I think that we're going to see that in the right situations, not just all situations. If it's more of a strong safety or box player, maybe a dime linebacker, right, where he's maybe the one linebacker in the middle of the field when they're going dime package with a lot more corners out there to try to get more speed, that could be an area where he might be utilizing his skill set might be utilized the best, but He's too good of a football player to have as down of a year as he did the year before. And I think that with Evero now orchestrating where he's going to be used, I've got faith that we're going to see an even better version of Jeremy Chin coming up. Yeah, I love that one. I mean, obviously in Denver, Avero, not that Justin Simmons and Kareem Jackson weren't good players before he got there, but put them in position to succeed. Got a lot out of them. I'll give you a tough question. I'm going to not include Antoine Winfield because you would just put him first. But this draft class had a ton of awesome safeties. (laughs) um, And three of those guys I think are fascinating. Yeah, it's removing removing Winfield before we even get there. So I want you to power rank Jeremy Chin, Al Duggar, and Cam Curl. Oh, wow. Three really good players. Um, I think I'd probably at this point put, I think I'd put cam one. I think I put Kyle Duggar two, and it might just be recency bias, but chin is still finding a home, if you will. And I think that that goes into it. It feels like curl is more comfortable in his versatility and his role with Washington. They're comfortable with how they're deploying him. And he's yielding some really good PFF scores, really some good stats there. Duggar's getting better and better, man. I think that they're, again, really comfortable with how they're using him in the second level as a strong safety slash kind of a, uh, again, like a shadow linebacker type of a player. Chin's been all over. I think that Chin's been more versatile. And when that's the case, the it's tougher to grade better 
but I it's it's hard for me to put Chin over those two dudes just because they feel more solidified in their production and we're already seeing them um, have a really good return on investment. So I would say Curl, then Kyle Duggar, then Jeremy Chin. And That's Antoine Winfield Jr. And Antoine Winfield Jr. at the top. <laughs> That's why he was not included. <laughs> just to make sure that we get it in there. Uh, Brad, so the reason why we are recording this at the time we are is because you're going on a little vacay. You're a golf dude. It's going to be a golf trip. You're going to get a lot of golf going on. So I had to ask you before we got out of here. What's the handicap nowadays? Like, what are you shooting? Are you are, are you somebody who plays golf all the time? Are you going just because it's a, a dope trip to make and you just center it around the game of golf? But what are we talking here? What level of golfer are you? No, I got the full-on bug, which saying that and then saying my handicap is going to be kind of embarrassing from a one to two. But no, I'm, I'm fully addicted to golf. I get out as much as humanly possible. I actually recently joined a range, which I will say, if you want to become a good golfer, yes, playing rounds is way more fun. But just going to hit a bucket of balls in the range yes. is probably going to improve your game dramatically more. Um, I try to shoot high 80s, low 90s. That, that's kind of where I, I mean. Yeah, no, no fire right. player. Look, we yeah. all, we all can't be Mike Renner over here, who's basically like a scratch golfer. As if God didn't give him enough gifts with his looks, he had to make him good at golf as well. I think you hand Mike like a like the the equipment for a sport, and he's probably better than you at it by the end of that day. Like he's one of those <laughs> guys. We all have that friend, right? Where it's like speaking of a buddy who played college football with me, or, you know, not with me, but at the school I also went to college did not play football, and we took him golfing one time, and he was just bombing drive like three hundred yards. And we were like, oh, you play a lot? He's like, no, nah, I've never played my entire life. Like, I, like, I, like, <laughs> like, we all have that friend. It just pisses you off, too. Um, but, yeah, so go want to play some good golf. It's the U.S. Open this weekend, so our mm. scores will probably be about twice as high as theirs. But uh, <laughs> we're, we're looking forward to it. What about you? You get out there at all? No, I, I love the game of golf. I grew up in Florida. My dad played golf. I was on the golf team in high school. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I'm I'm not really great right now. I'm in the same boat as you. I'm, like, low 90s, high 80s. But, like, that, that at least makes golf fun, like, not frustrating enough to where you never want to play again. And it at least gives you something to strive for, you know, starting to shoot some low 80 scores. Maybe you get into the 70s uh, every now and then. But I love the game of golf, especially during the summer, especially when we've got the majors going on and golf's as big as it is right now. It uh, it makes the bug, uh, yeah, very, very easy to catch. So, uh, my friend, enjoy the vacation. Appreciate everybody watching the show here. Those were our 12 players that we could see improving for the 2023 NFL season. We would love to hear yours as well. Let us know in the comment section, in the chat, as you guys have been uh, all show long. I'm Trevor Sikma. That is Brad Spielberger. Not sure when the regular boys are going to be back, but sometime next week. Make sure you guys tune in then. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.